Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear friends. God bless you. I would like you please to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians as we are continuing with our study together of this most important letter that Shaul Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth. We are going to go through now the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And the subject here in this 15th chapter is the importance of the resurrection, of the bodily resurrection. This is one of the most important truths that are found in God's Word. In fact, my dear friends and dear brothers and sisters, the Word of God teaches us concerning the need to believe in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Because it is important to realize that the Messiah Jesus was raised from among the dead because Scripture teaches us that he was raised for our justification. To remind you, that in Romans 10, in verses 9 and 10, we do read, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Yeshua, the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is a fundamental truth of the Word of God which everyone must adhere to in order to be a forgiven sinner. And so turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I would like to read the first 19 verses out of the 58 verses of this 15th chapter. Please follow me, and I'm reading. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, Mashiach, Messiah, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, 
of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me, also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now, if Christ, if Mashiach, if Messiah be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Messiah, Christ, is not risen. And if Mashiach, Christ, be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, Mashiach, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Messiah, in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Well, I will stop here, beloved friends and dear brothers and sisters, with the first 19 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, this chapter is so important, and I trust that the Lord will help us all to understand this important 15th chapter. You remember, beloved brothers and sisters, that we said concerning the Corinthian believers throughout the study of the first letter to the Corinthians, that the Corinthians saints were in a very sad spiritual state. We have mentioned this, as the Apostle Paul is mentioning this throughout the whole first epistle to the Corinthians, that there were many, many problems in that local assembly. Though they are called saints, according to chapter 1, and they were because they have accepted the Lord Jesus the Messiah as their Lord and their Savior. Yet in practice, their life did not give evidence to their position. They were a division among themselves. They were taking each other to court. 
there was immorality in their midst, there were lack of liberties as they were dealing with one another, there was an issue with divorces in their local assembly, they did not uh, practice properly the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, they were abusing the Lord's Table, and also they had an issue of the abusing the gifts that the Lord had given unto them. And of course, they did not practice these gifts in love. That's why we have a 13th chapter as a love chapter to show the more excellent way to deal with one another. And of course, in chapter 14, the issue of the fact that the abuse of the spiritual gifts, specifically the outward gifts such as tongues, Leshonot Glossa, and such as the gift of prophecy, speaking forth the word of God. All these, up to now, were issues that prove the carnality of the Corinthians. And lest we speak of them, each and every one of us must search our own hearts to see where we are, in relationship to all that which the Apostle Shaul Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Are we dividing from others? Are we living a moral life? Are we taking each other to court? Are we having divorces and remarriages in the midst of the saints? Are we don't give one another uh, liberties? Are we coming to the Lord's table in a sensitive manner, in the right attitude? What about the spiritual gift that we receive? Do we use the spiritual gift in a proper way? Do we love the brethren? And uh, all this is applying to each and every one of us as believers in Yeshua, Jesus, our Lord and our Messiah. But now when we arrive to the 15th chapter... Here is not so much the issue of ways in which they have dealt with one another, we might say in carnality, in a carnal way, in a selfish way, in, a, in the flesh, but with respect to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the issue is doctrinal. The issue is the doctrine of the teaching of the Word of God concerning the truth of the bodily resurrection. And this is important to understand that the subject here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is not so much the immortality of the soul, but the resurrection of the body. To remind you that every believer has spirit and soul and body. We all have the spirit and soul and body and uh, when a person leaves this scene, when a person passes away out of this world, that person, uh, if he or she are believers, his or her body will go into the tomb, and the soul and the spirit will go to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And the body will wait the day of the resurrection. And one day, in a future day, the body will be resurrected and the soul and the spirit will be reunited with the body. The body will change and then 
the believers will go a spirit, soul, and body to the presence of God. It is the same thing with the unbelievers, because when the unbeliever die, he or she, their body is going to the grave, to the tomb, but their spirit and their soul is going to Hades, where there is tormentation. Then, at the resurrection of the second resurrection of the unbelievers' resurrection, they also will rise from the dead, and their spirit and soul will be taken out of Hades and will be reunited with their body, and they will stand at the great white throne judgment, and then they will be cast into the final destiny of the unbelievers to the lake of fire. And that's how the apostle, if you remember in First Thessalonians chapter 5, said to the believers in verse 23, And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved without blame until the coming of the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, until the coming of the Lord Jesus the Messiah. In other words, the person, each person that God created in his own image, he created men in the image of God. God is a triune God, and mankind, people, are triune persons, spirit and soul and body. Now, this is what the Apostle Shaul Paul is seeking to communicate here with the Corinthian of the importance of the truth of the resurrection, but even more of the importance of the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah Himself. This is important. And so as we are going to go over this 15th chapter, beloved brothers and sisters, you will notice that the Corinthians needed to understand clearly and to embrace the truth of the resurrection. If you remember, beloved brothers and sisters, that in the book of Job, we do read, Job asked this question many years ago, and Eov lived in the days of Abraham Avinu, of Abraham our father, and he asked a very important question in Job 14 and verse 14. He asked, he said, If a man die, shall he live again? In Hebrew it says, Im yamut gever, He's asking a very sincere question. If a man die, if a woman die, if a person die, shall he live again? Now, of course, we have over the generation have heard many people say, well, we are going to live only here and now, therefore enjoy your life. Forget about God, forget about any restriction, forget about anything else, just enjoy your life. Because when you die, you go six feet into the ground and that's all. In other words, when a person dies, he's... Some have taught that their souls and the spirits and their body are just... Annihilate. There is no more that person. But God does not teach it. The Word of God does not teach it. God's Word teaching us clearly that there is a resurrection of the dead, that there is a life after death. 
And the question that Job asked, if a man dies, shall he live again? He received that answer from the Lord, and he could give the answer himself a little bit later on in chapter 19, and verses 25 and 26. And after receiving a revelation from God, Job himself says, because he believed in God, and he believed in the Redeemer, in the Messiah that will come to the measure of light that he have had, he believed what God have said unto him. And in Job chapter 19, verse 25 and verse 26, we read, For I know, Job said, that my Redeemer liveth, and that, not of that, he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. He's speaking about the Redeemer, the Mashiach, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior. And they continue, and he says in verse 26, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, in other words, he's speaking about going to the grave, and the body is decaying, and worm will destroy his body, and yet he says, yet in my flesh, this is being in the resurrected flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see, verse 27 of Job 19, I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Beloved brothers and sisters and dear friend Job, who had so much less light than you and I have today because we have the whole canon of the Word of God. Job received an answer from the Lord to the question, if a man dies, shall he live again? And the answer is yes. The word death simply means a separation of the body from the soul and the spirit. The body goes to the tomb, the soul and the spirit return to, to the Lord who gave it. If a person was a believer, this believer will be in a good place, in paradise in days of old, in Abraham's bosom. But if a person dies before the Messiah came and he or she were unregenerated, left this world without their sins forgiven, their soul and spirit will be in hell, in Hades, where there will be a sorrow and suffering and tormentation. But there is a day of resurrection. And the resurrection is that the body is raised by God from the dead, from the grave, and the soul and the spirit return to the body. And then the believer is eternally going to be in heaven, spirit, soul, and body in the presence of God, glorified body, to be with him forever, and on the other hand, the unbeliever will also be resurrected. The soul and the spirit will return to his or her body, and they will be cast eventually to the lake of fire, according to Revelation chapter 20. And so here we are here in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and the Corinthians, to remind you, they were not coming from among the Jewish people, most of them, although some may have been. And to remind you, because they came from a pagan world, 
from an idolatry, they were very limited in their knowledge of anything that had to do with the Word of God. The Jewish people, because to them were committed the oracles of God, they had much more light concerning the truth of the resurrection, the bodily resurrection. And that's why Daniel in chapter 12 and verse 2 said that many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's why in Isaiah chapter 26, God said through Isaiah concerning those that have died, the dead will ultimately rise. Your dead shall live. Their body shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. So the prophets of Israel gave these instructions to the people of Israel, and even Israel, even the Jewish people, even the Hebrews were limited to the knowledge of the truth of the resurrection because the Messiah hasn't come in their days, in the days of Yeshaya or Isaiah, or in the day of Daniel, or in the days of earlier of Moses, Moshe, and the people of Israel in the land, the Messiah came in the fullness of the time, according to Galatians chapter 4, and after his life, death, burial, and resurrection, and these early Hebrew apostles that gave us the new covenant, we have so much more light today with respect to the truth of the resurrection in comparison than the Jewish people in days of old. And that's how uh, the Apostle Paul is now reminding the Corinthians of what he preached unto them. Now just let me mention that because the Corinthians and the city of Corinth was a Greek city, and the Greeks did not believe in the resurrection, as we know that from the book of Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 17, we do read in verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. In other words, they mocked Shaul Paul when he was preaching to them the resurrection. So the Greek Gentiles did not believe in the resurrection. In fact, the skeptical view have invaded the local assembly. In fact, to remind you, the old problem that was there among the Corinthian believers is that skeptical individuals have crept in among the believers and uh, cause trouble in the midst of the assembly. Then also, Paul had to deal with this essential doctrine because of the fact that there was so much influence by their pagan lifestyle from the past, although they became believers. But Paul needed to deal with this essential truth of the doctrine of the resurrection. And he answered them now in this letter to four basic questions that may have been asked 
of him when they came to him with these requests, with letters earlier when they came to him with some request for an answer. He had to answer them about marriages and about the Lord's table and about immorality, how to to deal with immorality and, and divisions. He had to answer them and here he is answering the believers at Corinth concerning the truth of the resurrection. So now Paul is answering four basic questions in the whole 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. First of all, in the verses that we have read in this meeting today, verses 1 to 19, the first answer that he answered to the question is, are the dead raised? Are, are the dead really raised? And he's dealing here with this question in verses 1 to 19. Then later on in verses 20 to 28, he is going to answer to the second question, and the second question will be, when are the dead raised? When will there, there will be that resurrection? When the dead are being raised? Then in, later on in, in this chapter, in verses 29 onward, to really actually even to the end, he's inserting there another question later on. In verse 29 onward, the third question is, why are the dead raised? And he will answer in verses 29 to 34, and verses 49 to 58 to this question. And finally, in verses 35 to 48, he will answer to the fourth question, how are the dead raised? Four questions. Are the dead raised? When are the dead raised? Why are the dead raised? And how are the dead raised? That is what the Apostle Shaul Paul is responding to in this important chapter concerning the truth of the resurrection. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, let's follow these verses, these first 19 verses that the Apostle Paul is responding to the question, are the dead Raised Well, from the book of Job in chapter 14 and verse 14, Job asked the very same question. If a man die, shall he rise again? And if you remember, he also gave us an answer in verses 25 and 26 of chapter 19. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I am going to see him. I am going to see him. And so now the Apostle Shaul Paul is responding to the Corinthians, and the Corinthian believers apparently did believe in the resurrection of the Messiah. And Paul is reminding that to the Corinthians because otherwise they were not saved. Because you remember we just read in Romans chapter 10, in verses 9 and 10, that we know salvation is involved, believe in the resurrection of Christ, of the Messiah. We read in verse 9 and 10, For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the Lord Yeshua, and shalt believe in thine heart that God that raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So to believe in the resurrection of the Messiah is essential for salvation. 
With the heart a man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, in order for a person to be born again, he or she must believe not only in the life of the Messiah, Yeshua, not only in the death of the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, not only in the burial of the Lord Jesus the Messiah, but also in the resurrection, in the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus the Messiah. So, here we notice this, that they believed, the Corinthians did believe in the resurrection of the Messiah, of Christ, of Yeshua, but the issue of the resurrection of all other men, all other people, male and female, that's the issue that they had a problem here in their midst. So remember that in this 15th chapter, Paul does not deal with the immortality of the soul. The soul never dies. Although when a person dies, the body goes to the tomb, but the soul remains, never dies, immortality, in, and is returning to God. The soul will never die. The soul is eternal, but the body went to the ground, dies, and will rise again for the believer to receive a glorified body, to be reunited with the soul that is eternal, and then to be with the Lord forever, while for the unbeliever is in a forever, but in a place of sorrows and suffering in the lake of fire. And so notice that. Paul now is presenting three proofs right at the beginning concerning the truth of the resurrection. The first one is found in verses 1 and 2. The first proof is that the Corinthians themselves became believers because they believed the gospel the good news, the glad tidings, which the Apostle Paul preached unto them. And notice that, writing to them in verses 1 and 2, he's saying to them, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. The word for gospel is come from the, the Greek word. Gospel is euangelion, e-u-a-n-g-e-l-i-o-n. That's the gospel. Euangelon, and in Hebrew it is Besorah, it's glad tidings, it's news about salvation, the news about the Messiah. So he's saying to them, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached, past tense, you notice, which I've already preached unto you, which ye have received, wherein ye stand. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved, if, or since, Ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So you notice he begin with proving to them the fact of the resurrection and reminding them, and you and I, my dear brothers and sisters, we are saved because we have received the glad tidings. The Besorah, the gospel, the good news concerning the person of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, whom God had provided him for us in order to pay for our sins, 
when he came to this world to die on a shameful cross and to be buried and to rise again. So the first proof is, we preached unto you the gospel, you received the message of the gospel, this is the glad tidings, and you are saved by that very same gospel. Here it is the first proof concerning the resurrection. Again, let me read to you. Moreover, brethren, I declared unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, wherein ye stand. Then he said, by which also ye are saved, if, or really it should be since, ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. In other words, brethren, I am writing to you concerning the question, are the dead raised? And I prove that the dead raised is that you believed the gospel message. And what is the gospel message? He will say to us next, what is the gospel message? He will continue to tell them concerning to develop this truth, concerning the gospel which they have heard, which they have received. By this gospel they have they are standing and they are saved. The word for save comes from the root word Yeshua. They are saved. That means that they are simply are believers. They are saved. When they have accepted the Lord, they are simply are forgiven. To be saved, to be kept safe and sound, to rescue from a destruction, they are saved. They are rescued from eternal destruction, eternal separation from God when they have accepted the news, the glad tidings, the Besorah in Hebrew, uh, concerning God's provision. Now the second proof is found in verses 3 and 4, and the second proof is the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, the Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. The Torah is the law, Nevi'im is the prophet, Ketuvim is the writing. So you notice that the apostle Shaul Paul is giving them a second proof. And in verses 3 and 4, he is telling them, in verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that the Messiah died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now notice this, beloved brothers and sisters, this is very important. The truth of the resurrection of the Messiah, the truth of the promise of the coming, the Redeemer and Messiah to this world, was not invented by someone in this world. It was predicted, it was taught, it was written, it was provided to the people of Israel in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Tanakh. And that's why the Apostle Paul used the word in the Scriptures here, and it has a reference directly to the Hebrew Scriptures, because the canon of Scripture, including the New Covenant, were not yet completed. And therefore the basis upon which the Gospel could be preached to the Gentile world and to all the world is on the basis of the Hebrew Scriptures. And that's why you notice in verse 3a, Paul delivered unto the Corinthian God's words. God's word. 
and to remind you, notice that, for I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received. And you notice this, beloved brothers and sisters, I shared with you what I have received. Now remember, Shaul initially rejected Yeshua the Messiah. The apostle Paul, before he became a believer, he persecuted the early Jewish believers who believed that Jesus, that Yeshua, was the Messiah. So he received from the Lord the understanding concerning the life and the death and resurrection of the promised Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. So, even through the sacrificial system, in Leviticus 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, all the offerings that God have provided and requested from Israel to offer on an altar, why? Why the animal that lived had to die and shed its blood? The sacrificial system pointed to the life and the death of the Messiah. An innocent animal, without blemish, had to die, shed its blood for the people of Israel, for every individual and the nation of Israel. The burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, all these sacrifices pointed to the life and death of the Messiah. Of course, Animals did not rise because animals did not have a spirit, soul, and body. They only have a body of a certain animal, whether it is a goat or a lamb. They don't have a spirit to relate to God. They were not created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, when an animal dies, an animal dies and lives no longer. That's why God could allow and could demand sacrifices of an animal without blemish, to symbolize the coming of the Messiah. But you notice, it's not only the system of the sacrificial system, but also the prophet spoke about the Messiah. The Messiah, life, death, and resurrection. If you remember the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53, was speaking concerning the Messiah, his life, his death, and also his resurrection. In chapter 53, we read about the Messiah. He uh, shall grow up before him, before God, as a tender plant. This is verse 2. As a root out of dry ground, he has no form, no comeliness, that, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. That is life. Then in verse 6, we read of his death. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him, this man, the man of souls, the iniquity of us all. That is death. And then we have his resurrection in Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And then he said, When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. After he, was, he died and became an, an offering for sin, 
then he shall see his seed, now they will see fruit, believers, and he shall prolong his days, speaking about the resurrection of the Messiah. This is so beautiful because the prophets of Israel spoke about the death and resurrection of the Messiah. David said in Psalm 16 and verse 10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, in Sheol, that's the soul, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption, that's the body. So when the Messiah died, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. His soul was not left in Sheol, his body was not left in the tomb, and he rose. So, the Apostle Paul reminding the Corinthians that the gospel that he preached unto them was according to the Hebrew Scriptures. I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. So he gave them, the first proof is the Corinthian salvation themselves, and yours and mine today, beloved brothers and sisters. Secondly, the second proof is the Hebrew Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures. That's the proof because God inform his people Israel that the Messiah will come and the prophets of Israel put it, recorded that in the Hebrew scriptures and we have it in our hands today. But the third proof is found in verses 5 to 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the third proof is the proof that there were witnesses who saw the risen Mashiach. Yeshua HaMashiach. There were witnesses that saw in their days, some 2,000 years ago, the Messiah Jesus Yeshua that was raised from among the dead. Now notice that in verse 5 to 11, you remember that on the cross, when Yeshua Jesus the Messiah was on the cross, all the passers-by could see him. The malefactors on his two sides could see him. The religious leaders could see him. The passers-by could see him. The disciples could see him. The Roman soldiers who pierced him could see him. Everyone could see him in his death. But after his death on the cross, after his burial and resurrection, only believers have seen the risen Messiah. Only believers have seen the risen Messiah. And that is important to understand, and that's why the Apostle Paul will point to the believers that have seen the risen Messiah. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 35 where we read, And they crucified him, and they parted his garment, casting lords, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon the, my vesture did they cast lots. And then, of course, the Messiah died. From here on, we can read of his death. But when we get to chapter 28 of the Gospel of Matthew, in the end of the Shabbat, as it began to dawn, Toward the first day of the week came Miriam, Mary Magdalene, and the other Miriam to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord 
descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like a lightning and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, Yeshua, which was crucified. He is not here, he is risen. And then he told them, he said, Behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him. And so apparently the apostles were witnesses to Yeshua's resurrection, and there were others who were witnesses to the Lord Jesus the Messiah's resurrection. So you notice in verse 5, we do read, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 5 we read, And that he was seen by Cephas, then of the twelve. So first of all we read that he was seen by Peter, Cephas, Shimon, Petros, and then the twelve. Then we continue and just point to these beloved brothers and sisters that in Gospel of Mark in chapter 16, we do read, beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 14, Afterward they appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and they upbraid or rebuked uh, them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So, we do read that he was seen by the eleven and by the twelve. Then verse 6 tells us that in verse 6, and that he was seen by of Cephas, then of the twelve in verse 5. Verse 6 says, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto these present, but some have fallen asleep. Now, some have suggested that those 500 that have seen him, one that have seen him in the north, in Galilee as well. Then, that is what the Apostle Paul record here in this 15th chapter. In verse 7, Paul is recording that Yeshua, Jesus, was seen by Yaakov, this is James, then again by all the apostles. And I'm reading again, beloved brothers and sisters, after that he was seen of James, this is Yaakov, then of all the apostles. So, again, you notice that he is seen by only by believers, and these believers have seen him after his resurrection. And to remind you, in order for one to be qualified to be an apostle, one must be with the Lord in his life, but also see him after his resurrection, according to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16, where we read, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain, where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Yeshua came and he spake unto them, saying, 
All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all way even unto the end of the age. Amen. And so in verse 7, Yeshua was seen by James and then again by all the apostles, even though they, some of them doubted initially, but he revealed himself to them as the risen one, beloved brothers and sisters. And as we continue on in verse 8, Yeshua was lastly seen by Shaul Paul himself. Now to remind you, beloved brothers and sisters, that Shaul Paul was initially was not one of the twelve. He was not one of the apostles. And he was the one that met the Lord Jesus the Messiah on the way to Damascus when he was on his way to bring those rebel Jewish people who became believers in, in Yeshua Jesus the Messiah to bring them to Jerusalem, he brought letters with him. And on the way, you remember, in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, he have heard that voice, he have seen that vision, and uh, he fell from the horse, and Yeshua asked him, Shaul, Shaul, why you are persecuting me? And he said to him, Who art thou, Lord? And then he says, I am Jesus, I am Yeshua, whom thou persecuting. And from there on, Shaul came to know the Lord, and he was became the apostles to the Goyim, to the Gentiles. Notice what he says in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And last of all, he was seen of me, also as one born out of due time. Why did Paul call himself or said, I was born as one out of due time? Why? Because he was anticipating the national regeneration of his people of Israel. And by becoming a believer in Yeshua the Messiah before the nation, the whole nation of Israel, he sensed, he felt that he was born early, as early bird, as out of due time. In First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16 we read, How bit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah, might show forth all long suffering for a patron of them, this is in reference to Israel, of them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. In his mind, beloved brothers and sisters, he felt that he was one that is born out of due time. And he was one that is a patron that eventually the whole nation of Israel in the second coming of the Messiah will be born in a day. And he sensed so much that he was one that was born out of due time. Beloved brothers and sisters, in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, we read that they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And Israel, national regeneration is uh, recorded by the prophet Zechariah 
in Zechariah 12, verse 10, all the way to chapter 13, verse 6, where you read that every family apart of the nation of Israel, husband apart, wife apart, children apart, will come to know the Messiah. They will repent before God and they will come to know the Lord Jesus, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And as a nation, Israel will be born in a day. But beloved brothers and sisters, Paul, Shaul, Paul felt that he is one that is born out of due time. And so he continued, beloved brothers and sisters, in connection with the proof of the resurrection that, that the Messiah was seen by witnesses. And so we just read in verse 5, he was seen by Peter and the twelve. In verse 6, he was seen by more than 500 brethren. In verse 7, he was seen by Yaakov and and then all the apostles. In verse 8, he was seen by Shaul, Paul himself, as one that is born out of due time. In verse 9, Paul always remember his persecution of God's people. He says, notice that in verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles. That I'm not meet to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the assembly, the church. That was something that bothered him. And to remind you that he persecuted his own Jewish brethren who became believers. And he took letters from the high priest to the synagogue where the Jewish believers were to bring them back to Jerusalem in order to imprison them. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, we do read, and I just read it again, beloved brothers and sisters. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Here he says, I am the least of the apostles. In 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, I am the chief of sinners. And so the Apostle Paul was so burdened with that beloved brothers and sisters. So he was the least of the Apostles according to him in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. And he was the chief of sinners according to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. In verse 10 and 11, Paul continued and he said that through God's grace, he was saved in order to serve. For I am the least of the Apostles, he said. And then in verse At 10, he said, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. In other words, Paul, Shaul, Paul was saying that it is God's grace that saved him, and it is God's grace that caused him to serve And then in verse 11, in the final verse, the Apostle Paul mentioned to the Corinthians that the Corinthian believers believed what he preached. He said in verse 11, Therefore, whether it were I or they, namely the other apostles, so we preached, and so ye believed. So Paul is giving witness to the fact that the Corinthian believers did believe the message of the gospel. And they believed in the resurrection. But apparently, 
what entering there in their midst was that which was not honoring unto the Lord. And in the next verses, verses 12 to 19, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul points out to the importance of the resurrection of the Messiah. The importance of the resurrection of the Messiah and the importance of the fact that the Messiah rose and because he rose from among the dead, bodily resurrection, the believers in him will also be raised bodily. And you notice, in verse 12, Paul is challenging the Corinthians by saying to them, listen to that, beloved brothers and sisters, he's saying to them now in verse 12, he says, but if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, on the basis of what he have taught them, whether he quoted Isaiah 53 or Psalm 16, 10, or any other passages that he recorded for them from the Hebrew Scriptures, and there he presented before them the gospel, he says, if the Messiah be preached that he rose from the dead, he's saying to them in verse 12, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Remember, beloved brothers and sisters, we emphasized earlier that there were some skeptical individuals that have entered in and invaded the local church, the local assembly at Corinth. And some people were skeptic. They said, well, how is it possible that there will be resurrection of the dead? It's not possible. And to remind you that the Corinthians did not believe, this is the, the Greek they did not believe in the resurrection. As we mentioned that according to Acts chapter 17 and verse 32, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. They mocked Paul when he was preaching in, in Athens, in Mars Hill, concerning the resurrection. And so we, he's saying, how can some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And so now notice this. And I would just lead to, to these verses here. In verses 13 to verse 19, the Apostle Paul is providing sevenfold effects concerning the resurrection. And he used the word if and then. If and then. If and then. Quite a few times. In these verses, beloved brothers and sisters. And so notice verses 13 to verse 19. He began with these sevenfold points to emphasize the truth of the resurrection. First in verse 13. If, notice that, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. In other words, if there is no bodily resurrection of all God's people and even all the unbelievers later on, but specifically here he's speaking about the resurrection of the people of God, of the believers, of those that belong to the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. He said, if there is no resurrection for you, brothers and sisters, for you, Corinthian, then the Messiah did not rise at all also. And again, to remind you that we read in Matthew 28 and verse 6, Psalm 16 and verse 10, Isaiah 53 and verse 10, 
And we also would read Romans chapter 4 and verses 24 and 25 where Paul taught to the, the Roman believers and he said, But for us also, to whom each shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Yeshua, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Beloved brothers and sisters, the fact of the resurrection of the Messiah is so important because if he did not rise from among the dead, he did not justify us. He was raised in order to declare the believer in him just. And if there was no bodily resurrection of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, then he says, then there is no hope for those who claim to believe in him. And that's why it is so important that he's saying to them in verse 13, if there is no resurrection, as some of you are saying, then the Messiah was not risen himself. In verse 14, he continues, If the Messiah was not risen, our preaching is in vain. It's empty. It has no value. I'm reading verse 14. But if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. If the Messiah, Yeshua, did not rise from among the dead, he's still in the grave, and he hasn't resurrected. And therefore... Our belief is in vain, and the preaching of Paul and all the message of the gospel that we're sharing today with the unbelieving world is really in vain. Our preaching is vain, and our faith also is in vain. He continues in verse 15, says, And yeah, he says, we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, the Messiah, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. You see, in verse 15 he's saying, well, if there is no resurrection, then the Messiah did not rise, and if the Messiah did not rise, we are preaching to you in vain, your faith is in vain, and if we are preaching to you in vain, then he says, really, we became false witnesses. And we are telling you that the Messiah rose, if he didn't rise, then we are false witnesses. We didn't preach to you the truth. He continued, notice how he built up, beloved brothers and sisters, and he continued now in verse 16, 17, 18, and 19, and he says in verse 16, if there be no resurrection, Messiah is not risen. And he's going back again to verse 13. Notice what he says in verse 16. If the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. In a sense, what he's repeating in verse 16, what he said already in verse 13. If there be no resurrection of, from, of the dead, then is Christ be not risen. Amazing, beloved brothers and sisters, how fascinating this truth concerning the resurrection if a man dies shall he rise again job asked in job 14 and then by the revelation that he received from god he said in job 19 i know that my redeemer is living is is alive 
and that he shall stand at the latter days upon the earth. He is going to come back to this earth and he will be standing as a risen, living Messiah here on earth. And though after my skin worms destroyed this body, Job is saying, he said, in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. In other words, I will be resurrected. And mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. In other words, what Job answered to his question is not only that the man die, shall he rise again, not only that he will rise again, but that he will see the risen Messiah, the risen Messiah, who will be the Redeemer that is alive. He finished the work of redemption when he died on the tree, as Job was anticipating, and he will stand upon this earth in the latter days. Amazing. Now he continued, beloved brothers and sisters, and you notice what he says here now in verse 17. He says, If cries be not raised, your faith is in vain, and listen to that, ye are yet in your sins. Beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, if the Mashiach did not rise, then we have a dead Savior. Really, He is not a Savior. If God did not raise the Messiah from among the dead, then we don't have a living Messiah. But because God was so satisfied with the work of the Mashiach, of Yeshua, after he judged him on behalf of your sins and mine when he punished him for our sins and the Messiah died on the cross, on the tree. After three days he rose again and he rose for our justification. In Matthew 12 and verse 40, Jesus the Messiah said, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In Matthew 16 and verse 21, Yeshua began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Matthew 16, 21. In Matthew 17, verse 22 and 23, we read, And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Yeshua said unto them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. Yeshua thought of his resurrection, his death, burial, resurrection again and again, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends. We read in the other Gospels, in John 10 verse 14, we read, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this world. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock and with one shepherd. 
This is concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. One of the most wonderful verses that we love to read in John chapter 10 and verse 17. We do read, beloved brothers and sisters, listen to this. Therefore does my Father love me, Yeshua said, because I lay down my life, notice that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. He laid down his life of himself. Notice, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. John ten seventeen and 18. O beloved brothers and sisters, the Messiah died and was buried and rose again. And so, in these last verses here, Paul is saying, your faith is in vain and you are still in your sins if the Messiah did not rise from the dead. And then in verse 18, believers who died, then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In other words, those that have already died. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then those that have already died, they perished. They will never be raised if there is no resurrection of the dead. As some said, that there is no resurrection of the dead in the city of Corinth, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12. You see how fundamental it is, beloved brothers and sisters, resurrection of the Messiah and resurrection of the people of God and even the resurrection of the unbelievers is the truth that is taught in the Word of God. And so, in verse 19, and this is the last for us for this ministry meeting, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, in Messiah, we are of all men most miserable, most pitiable. In other words, if we became believers in the Lord Jesus, in the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah here on earth, and then we live this life and we die and we see no resurrection, no life after death, no resurrection of the body reunited with the soul and the spirit and being taken to glory with a glorified body to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. If there is only here in this world and if we believe in the Messiah only for here and now, then we are most miserable of all men. Why? Because the believers in Yeshua are being persecuted and suffering here for His name's sake. And because their faith in Him, they have suffered loss here in this world. So He's saying, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Well, my dear friend, praise God that the Messiah rose from among the dead and there is a resurrection from the dead. Well, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord help us as we continue together with the study of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. God bless you, my dear friend. Until the next time, we say to you all, Shalom, Shalom.
You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.